Farm Focus, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. On this week's episode, we talked to Bailey Thumb, Federal Affairs Specialist for the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. We discussed with her all of her top priorities for her position. What's going on, everybody? David here with another Farm Focus podcast for you guys. This week, we have Bailey Thumb, PFB's Federal Affairs Specialist, uh, with us today. Bailey, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, now, Bailey, for those who may not know or those who may need a refresher, um, can you go over what your job title is as a Federal Affairs Specialist? Yeah, absolutely. So for PFB members out there, I am our primary liaison to American Farm Bureau Federation. I also handle all of our federal policy and I also am our dairy and farm policy staff coordinator as well as our ag labor and safety staff coordinator. So I handle everything um, on those two committees. You got certainly a lot of titles and I know you're definitely busy with a lot of stuff so I thank you for making the time to come on here and talk to our members about some updates that you have. And for those who haven't heard the other two podcasts, we did a similar thing with Lily and Grant um, to where they gave us uh, some updates that are going on in the recent times uh, that focus on their job position. We're doing the same thing here with Bailey today. Um, So I guess, Bailey, just fire us off with uh, one of your top priorities that you have. Yeah. So uh, before we get into priorities, I just want to kind of go over what we've done recently um, as these are great benefits of being a Farm Bureau member. One of them being our federal affairs trip that we recently had um, on June 21st. Uh, So that was our summer federal affairs trip. So that was just a one day trip uh, down to DC just to do some simple hill visits. It was very productive, had some great conversations with our legislators, and we look forward to continuing them. Um, Our next trip will be September 13th and 14th. We are still looking uh, for some people to attend that trip. So uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you might be interested in attending one of those, uh, please do reach out to me um, and I can walk you through how that would look. And then we also had uh, this past Thursday, we sat down with Pennsylvania Department of Ag and went over our priorities for Farm Bill, what we would like to see included, Um, some of the more minor things, um, but that are still relevant and important. So had some great discussions there um, and definitely look forward to continuing those conversations with stakeholders. Awesome, it sounds like uh, very great, uh, very great action all the way around. I know uh, the Farm Bill priorities is very important for us because I mean, as the name implies, the Farm Bill's uh, important to the Farm Bureau members and farmers all across Pennsylvania. Also, um, I know just from the pictures, you guys always have a great time down the federal affairs trip. So like Bailey said, if you guys are interested in uh, tagging along on one of those trips um, and you want to meet some uh, great representatives down there, you know, uh, you know, give us a call and we can try to fill you in with all that. And I do want to ask Bailey, because you brought up the federal affairs trip, um, this is something that just popped in my mind. How was your first time ever going down for your federal affairs trip? I know it wasn't this one, but like the one that you first yeah. ever did. It, it was great. Um, having the members there, I think that that really tells the story. When our members are down there telling and explaining their story, it really helps expand upon our priorities because I can go down there and I can lobby to our legislators on why X, Y, and Z bill are important. 
But if you tell a personal story on how that bill would help your operation um, or benefit your family, that really puts um, a meaning behind the bill and they'll remember that and they'll fight to get that bill passed even more. Um, so it was really exciting to see our members in action um, and willing and excited to go down, especially not just for Hill visits. Uh, the previous one we did, we visited with the Irish Embassy um, and that was a lot of fun because we got to see what agriculture was like in a different country. So um, definitely very unique and exciting and we can't wait for more trips. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that to where uh, our members going down and talking to these people or is really what drives it home because you know in turn they are the ones who are putting through this and they're the ones who are going to be impacted by these bills and the legislation that's being put through i'll tell you this much if it was my first time going down i probably would have got lost but <laughs> that's here and over there uh, so why don't we dive right into uh, some of the important things that we have going on here yeah well since we're on the topic of farm bill i thought i would start out with that um, we obviously have our bigger asks in Farm Bill, like on the dairy end, and some of those may be included. Um, the ones that are included uh, will have to be in House or Senate Ag jurisdiction. Um, the ones such as Dairy Pride Act, which is not in House Ag or Senate Ag, um, it's actually in Energy and Commerce, um, that might have to go just as a separate bill. But some of the smaller asks that we are asking to be included in Farm Bill, for example, one um, would be the Expanding Child Care in Rural America Act. Um, so that was introduced by Senators Brown and Marshall from Ohio and Kansas, respectively. Um, and then Representatives Perez and Mann from Washington and Kansas, respectively. So what that bill would do, it would direct USDA to authorize and prioritize projects that address the availability, quality, and cost of childcare in agriculture and rural communities. So where that kind of came from um, in our priorities was we had a lot of members that reached out and said, hey, my mom and dad, um, they want to take care of our kids at home, but they also want to work um, on the farm still. So can we work on getting something in legislation and farm bill where we have more affordability um, and more um, and more accessibility to uh, child care in rural America because there aren't really many facilities I think that's something that our legislators are noticing more and more so um, we thank Senator Casey for co-sponsoring that bill um, so far, and um, I'm sure it's going to be a bipartisan effort, and uh, we'll definitely see many more um, added on to that bill. Um, I will also say we had an event actually yesterday that talked about this other bill, the Spotter and Lanternfly Research and Development Act. So we know that the Spotter and Lanternfly is devastating Pennsylvania ag, unfortunately. And so that is why the sponsors of that bill, Senators Casey and Senator Fetterman, and then Representatives Hulhan and Kelly are the main leads on that bill. And we have almost the whole PA delegation um, on that bill because they realize that this is a critical uh, invasive species that we have to get under control. Um, it's ruining our forests, it's ruining our vineyards, and 
So we really want to make sure that we try to put an end to this. So what that bill would do, it would designate spotted lanternflies as a high priority pest um, under the National Institute of Food and Agriculture to direct more federal research dollars to combat these devastating insects. Um, so of course we are putting all hands on deck for that bill. We realize it's, again, it's a critical issue. One um, farm bill priority or smaller ask that we are interested to see how it'll go um, is the Protecting Mushroom Farmers Act. So this bill is a research bill, so it's not necessarily giving um, crop insurance to mushroom farmers right away. Instead, it would just require a U.S. study, a USDA study to be done um, on how a crop insurance program would look for mushroom farmers in the future. Um, so that's being um, led by Senators Fetterman and Casey and Representatives Chrissy Houlihan and Dan Muser in the House. So we're looking forward to seeing how that bill goes. We've never, I don't think, really seen much on the mushroom front um, in farm bills. So we're looking forward to seeing um, that bill progress. Um, the last bill I'll mention that's a smaller ask um, in Farm Bill is the Industrial Hemp Act. So that would exempt farmers from burdensome regulations for um, if they're growing hemp for CBD purposes. Um, so we have policy that explicitly supports that um, and that is being led by Senators Braun and Tester in the Senate and Representatives Rosendale and Houlihan in the House. So we're looking, we're looking forward to seeing how all those bills progress in Farm Bill, um, and hopefully they will all get in. Well, that's a, that's a plateful, I'll tell you that much, <laughs> and they're all very, uh, very important too uh, at that, I'll give you that. And going back a little bit uh, to the child care one, um, this popped in my mind as I was going. I think it, that one really, um, like you said, with you know not only the availability but also uh, the cost wise I know myself like I don't um, live in some of the more rural areas like some of our farmers so I live in a more like I'm not in a city but I'm also not out in just the woods and even for us I know some of my friends they have hard times scheduling to get child care for their children you know what I mean and things mm -hmm. like that they'll have <clears throat> wait lists that go back years um, you know, the joke always goes around. You have to put your application in before your kid's even born to uh, get yeah. <laughs> to get in there. So you know that only stresses how hectic it is even for our farmers in in those types of areas. Um, now let's let's go back a little bit as well. I I did the I asked Lily this question as well because she brought up about uh, a dairy package. I believe it was. Um, and this might be a really you know just dumbed down question for myself, but the farm bill. Is that similar to packages in uh, over here at Harrisburg to where it's not just, you know, the farm bills, the farm bill, and it's just a collection of mm -hmm. a bunch of different bills at one time? And can you, like, yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so how that works, like um, I mentioned in the beginning, so some of these bills, um, like our bigger bills, um, I'm not sure uh, whether Chairman Thompson plans to run um, his whole milk bill through farm bill or a separate bill. But a lot of um, our smaller asks um, and some of these bigger asks will be included in Farm Bill. Um, Farm Bill has 12 titles, so a lot can be included. 
but at the same time there's um, requirements of what can and cannot be in Farm Bill. Um, one, not a requirement, but one being that typically um, if it's not in House or Senate Ag, um, it's usually a little bit tricky to get passed um, as a separate bill through Farm Bill, um, if that makes sense. So um, also we're, we would be looking at the Dairy Pricing Opportunity Act. Um, that one, either it's going to be a separate bill or it's going to be passed uh, through Farm Bill or it might even be resolved uh, through a federal milk marketing order hearing. Um, so what that would do, it would initiate a federal order hearing within 180 days in addition to giving USDA the needed authority to cost survey dairy uh, manufacturers. So um, it might be resolved in a hearing. Um, we'll, we will find out hopefully late July um, and if that comes if Secretary Vilsack says yes we're going to have an FMMO hearing um, then that would be started uh, late August then. Awesome and just so clarification so I make sure I'm up on track on this the pieces of legislation that you talked about can they pass individually and still go through or does the entire encompassing farm bill have to pass for these to then go through? No yeah so some of these like the whole milk bill for example um, Chairman Thompson may choose to try to just push it in through Farm Bill or he might just say I'm gonna keep this as a separate piece of legislation um, because if we do get whole milk um, for Healthy Kids Act passed um, through both chambers that's going to be a monumental step in getting whole milk back in schools for these kids so it kind of depends on uh, the legislator as well um, if they want to have it lumped in with Farm Bill or if they want to keep it separate. I got you. Awesome. And, you know, like you always say and how we say around here, we hope the best for Farm Bill and so do our members and all the farmers out here in Pennsylvania, not even just in Pennsylvania, even uh, across wherever uh, they may be. Um, now, moving away from Farm Bill, what, what do you got next on our docket here today? Yeah, so um, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention a very important bill happening right now. Um, as you, as our members might know, um, what happened, unfortunately, at the Supreme Court with Proposition 12. Um, so this was a case um, that was presented to the Supreme Court after uh, 2018, 60% of California's voters uh, passed a law. It was a ballot measure. Um, and they passed it, and it's called Proposition 12. So it requires veal, pork, and egg raised in confined areas to have a certain space minimum. So for example, um, now in California in 2022, egg-laying hens must be cage-free. Um, sows must have at least 24 square feet of usable floor space, and cows used for veal must have at least 43 square feet of usable floor space. So what this means is that an operation which is not Prop 12 certified cannot sell their products um, in California. So AFBF and National Pork did sue California for this, um, saying it was a violation of Interstate Commerce Clause. Um, it came down to a 5-4 decision, so it was very close, um, but we still unfortunately did not, um, did not win that case. However, uh, there is a legislative solution that we are pushing right now. So on uh, June 16th, Senator Marshall from Kansas, along with Senators Ernst um, from Iowa, 
uh, Grassley, also from Iowa, Corn from Texas, Fisher from Nebraska, Schmidt from um, Missouri, and Cotton from Arkansas introduced S-2019, which is the Ending Agricultural Trade Suppressions Act. So what this would do, it would, one, be a legislative solution to Prop 12 by prohibiting other states and local units of government from regulating the pre-harvest production of agricultural products in other, in other jurisdictions. Um, I will also say that pretty soon here, a House companion bill will be introduced uh, by Representative Ashley Hinson from, Ohio, from Iowa, excuse me. Um, so this is a priority um, for AFBF, for PFB. Um, trade is definitely something that we always want to keep in mind. And President Hoffman has clearly stated um, that this is going to be a priority for us. Um, and it's, it's hard to see that the Supreme Court uh, didn't agree with AFBF and National Pork, but um, hopefully we uh, have this legislative solution and it passes. Yeah, definitely a, uh, <clears throat> a, a different and interesting topic. I'll even say myself, you know, I, I saw about this on my social medias um, from outlets, you know, news outlets, you know, influencers and such like that who aren't even really in the farm or agriculture world was popping up. So that only shows you, I don't want to say the severity, but the, the impact that it had not only to California, but across the nation itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like you said, if uh, they don't have that special certification, you know, let's just say in Pennsylvania, they can't ship it over to uh, California. So that's, you know, just going to impact uh, the economy all the, way, all the way around and, you know, impact our farmers and farmers across the nation. So. Yeah. It'll uh, definitely be interesting to see where this is. And, you know, this question, I was thinking about this while we were discussing this. Do you see, are there any talks of other states potentially going along with what California did? Or are we not really sure right now? I, so far, have not seen anything similar to California's Proposition 12. Um, Another good point, you mentioned how this impacts farmers, but it also impacts the consumer because... Mm -hmm. If California is um, restricting where they're getting their agricultural goods from, the consumer is really going to see that at the grocery store. There might be some bare shelves or their pork products might go up um, significantly in price. Um, and so food security is going to um, be an ultimate factor in this as well. So it's a very harmful uh decision uh, by the voters of California um, and hopefully uh, we can get this resolved so that there's food security and that um, our economy stays alive as well. I think you're absolutely right on that, Bailey. So, you know, like you said, we'll we'll keep on top of it. We'll do what we can here in Pennsylvania and we'll work with our uh, cohorts and all the other states in that AFBF. Um, what do we got next for today's agenda? Yeah, so um, I talked about a Supreme Court um, loss, unfortunately, but uh, now I'll talk about a Supreme Court win. Um, So back in the end of May, the Supreme Court uh, unanimously decided, so 9-0 vote um, for the Sacketts and Sackett v. EPA. So that was very exciting to see um, a win come out for Waters of the United States, WOTUS. Um, We are excited to see 
where this goes because now EPA and the courts are back at the table and they have to amend their rule based on the Supreme Court's decision. So this is a win for farmers as it also uh, nixed the significant nexus test. Um, and they also, even though um, the case was not about the 2023 WOTUS rule, they decided to scrutinize it in section four of their decision. So we really got to see what the Supreme Court's um, viewpoint is ahead of AFBF's lawsuit against EPA um, on this, uh, on the 2023 rule. So we're looking forward to seeing uh, where WOTUS uh, leads because it, it seems like we're on a more high note on that front. Um, and hopefully our farmers will get some clarity um, and less confusion um, here in the future. So, but I have, I do have that exciting news um, from the Supreme Court on WOTUS. Yeah, WOTUS definitely seems like a very uh, uh, hot topic or something, not hot topic, but very mm -hmm. brought up frequently. Um, you know, here in the office, I hear it either once a week or <laughs> every other week. You know, it, uh, you know, time doesn't go by that I don't hear about WOTUS either yeah. from you or, or Grant or Justin, you know, one of the combinations. And mm -hmm. so it, it, it's clear that's definitely, you know, and it impacts our farmers 110%. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's great to hear that the Supreme Court ruled in that way. Yeah, and I think a part of the reason why I think our members care about it so much is one, we often see um, issues with um, things like eminent domain or the government coming in and having more jurisdiction, and that's what this seemed like. It seemed like um, the government was going to have jurisdiction over a majority of land based on this uh, new rule um, under the Biden administration. And so it scared a lot of our farmers because one, it was confusing because they weren't getting the answers they wanted. Um, and if they can't know if they're in compliance or not, that could lead to civil or criminal um, liabilities. So not only I think were they, were they scared, they were also putting up a defense because they didn't know what land they had or not. So it was definitely something our members were wanting to talk about and make sure that they understood this sound and clear, so. Yeah, it's definitely, and I've seen it with multiple uh, rules, regulations, legislation, all types of things where it's, it, it's, you're almost unclear on what's going on. And again, like you said, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to accidentally break the rules and have you know something go on to yourself, um, but that's that's great that we're hopefully going to get some clarification on that. So that way our farmers and our members can understand what what they have to go through and what's going on with this whole situation. Well, yeah. you got any more topics for us here, Bailey? Yeah, so I think I have one more, and I'd be uh, silly not to mention this because it is one of our most important, and I think kind of where the foundation actually of our agricultural issues is, and that's ag labor. Um, we understand that a lot of our members, um, we've gotten calls saying, are we gonna get a fix to this, this Congress? Are we gonna get a fix to this, this Congress? And so um, it hasn't been, it's been over 30 years since we've had ag labor reform. Um, and I think that mainly is because a lot of the conversation is around immigration. 
And when you include the word immigration into any sentence um, on the Hill, people tend to run away, unfortunately, um, just because it's a very controversial topic and nobody wants to kind of be the brunt and take it on. Um, But we are looking forward to the fact that Senate Judiciary um, back in early June held a hearing addressing ag labor, so at least they're talking about it, um, and addressing the concerns and the issues that our industry has about it. One of the biggest ones, I think, would be our H-2A program. Um, One of the biggest problems with the H-2A program here in Pennsylvania, at least, Um, and across the nation is it does not allow for year-round growers to have access to those visas, Um, which it kind of boggles our mind in in a sense that what type of agriculture is seasonal? No matter what you are, even if you are the apple grower, you still are working year round um, to produce that product. So it's a little frustrating, um, especially for our dairies, our mushroom growers that need that help because we're just not seeing our younger generation here in the US, they don't really wanna get up at 5 a.m. and go milk the cows. Um, But we do have a lot of Hispanic and foreign labor that come in and they're providing for their families. They want to work here and they want to work more than 40 hours willingly. They don't want to work actually just 40 hours. And I think that's a misconception that we see is that um, our employers, our ag employers are working our employees too hard, but they want to be there. They're happy to be there um, because they're treated nicely, they're paid fairly. Um, and so that's just one thing that um, we really like to emphasize. And I think breaking that barrier um, with the public and letting them see how good our employers are to their employees in the ag industry. Um, I will say two bills in regards to ag labor that we are in support of. We are in support of the Farm Operations Support Act. So that would freeze the 2023 adverse effect wage rate and it would re- and it would revert it to the to December 2022 rate. Um, so right now in PA, it's roughly around like $16.50. Um, last year, um, December 2022, it was at like $15.50. So it had a dollar increase, but you also have to account for um, transportation, housing, meals. So those all count. Um, so when you add all that up, you're looking more at like $25 an hour. Um, so that's why we have bipartisan support on that both in the House and the Senate. Senators Ossoff and Tillis um, are leading that in the Senate. And then Representatives Wilson and Kilsey uh, in the House are leading that one. So we're asking for your support on that. Um, Again, labor comes down to a food and national security issue. Um, We wanna make sure that consumers in the grocery store are going in and getting affordable food. And that again, our economy remains competitive. So we wanna make sure Um, that our ag labor workforce is strong. Um, Another bill that would help out with is the Congressional Review Act. So 
uh, DOL came out with a rule and it would change the methodology of how the adverse effect wage rate is calculated. AFBF has done um, many studies. Their economists have published a market intel, which I would suggest for you guys to go view. It puts it in a black and white language on how this would be a very harmful rule. Well, I should take that back. It is already um, harmful because it is already being implemented, unfortunately. Um, and the Congressional Review Act would reverse that and would prevent the implementation of Department of Labor's rule to change how the AEWR is calculated. That one is being led by Senators Bud and Scott and Representatives uh, Thompson and Norman in the House. So we are looking forward to seeing um, those bills possibly pass and go through. Um, again, for food security and national security, we want to we want to remain competitive against our foreign um, allies, and then we also want to make sure our people are fed, and then globally are fed. So, yeah, um, just to kind of recap what you said there, uh, you know, ag labor is definitely one of the most important things. Um, without the labor force there. Uh, it, two people can, you know, mom and pop can only take care of so much on a, on a farm, you know, especially at a, a larger size. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that extra help is, is, is key and crucial um, in making sure not only that the farms can continue and be sustained, but that they can also sustain the community as well. Um, and something interesting I thought that you brought up, Bailey, is um, about, you know, how we how the farmers put in the housing the food the transportation for the workers um, I actually talked to Lily about that because she brought up about uh, here in Harrisburg they're wanting to raise the or not raise but uh, put a minimum wage mark on mm-hmm. ag labor and I, I talked about you know exactly what you said I said you know uh, in, at the end of the day some of these farm hands are getting paid 20 to 25 dollars not monetarily, but with that transportation, mm-hmm. with that housing, with that food. Sometimes they even provide clothing, you know what I mean? They, they almost end up making them part of the family, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, an extended part. Um, so that really adds into the caveat. And what I discussed with Lily is I think sometimes people don't get the whole scope of things or don't get all the angles and they just see it as, oh, this person's getting paid X amount. Well, mm-hmm. you know the XYZ is also on top of that and you got to put that in perspective you know the grass isn't as green on the other side as you think or it is vice versa Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see where all this goes and you know as always hope uh, hope it always comes up for the farmers you know yeah absolutely and that's what I think a lot of it on the ag labor front is going to be education. It's Mm -hmm. going to be educating the public that our farmers are doing good already um, for their employees um, and they're treating them fairly and they are paying them fairly. And so a lot of that's just going to be education Um, and it'll take time. And that's why also when our county farm bureaus do their legislative farm tours, and our legislators in um, state or local or federal get to see that um, it's really powerful and it means something because then pieces of legislation that's harmful like that, um, like the state package that's out there right now addressing um, equal rights for agricultural workers, it's a very harmful package, but I think also 
it could be misunderstood. Um, I think those legislative farm tours could be a great example of how we could uh, break that barrier. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think education on that front is the most important thing. I think at the beginning of this, you even said about how our Friends of Ag Foundation can mm -hmm. really start with this and. You know, especially if you start with the kids and starting to show them, you know, it's not all just you're out in the field working hard. It's it's all this other <clears> stuff, all this community that you get and uh, um, just positive things all the way around just to, you know, show the good um, and then, you know, make it seem, make it not seem like it's all bad because in, in all reality it isn't. So, yeah. Um, any other key things you have for me, Bailey? I do have one more question for you, but I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else, so go ahead <coughs> with your question. All right, so, um, and some of our members might know this already, but how can you know our members, our farmers, our fellow Pennsylvanians um, help with these bills that are coming up and help push them or help push them away, so on and so forth? Yeah, so... This is a two-part answer. So one would be through our action alerts. So right now I know we have two um, published specifically on the um, federal side. So we have the Dairy Pride Act. Um, but then we also have the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act um, that you can message your legislator about. Um, some of your legislators already might be co-sponsors though on those bills as that has gained a lot of a lot of traction since we um, published those action alerts. So um we're getting more and more co-sponsors specifically from pa which we're excited about on those two bills um the other part i would mention on that question would be it really really follow up with your legislator so i tell um when i'm down in dc i tell our members and their staff i say hey i i know i gave you a lot of facts today i gave you a lot of information but my members and your constituents are gonna follow up with you um, via a legislative tour or maybe a phone call and just tell you their story or just have a district office visit something. So just tell your story. Um, that is the most important thing with these bills is that they have a connection then. Um, because a lot of the staffers on the Hill are maybe 20 to 25, so they're in their 20s, so they're young. So if we're just overfilling them without any story behind it, it can just be boring and just lead to just facts and they're not gonna make any connections and then the bill might not go anywhere in their office. But if you really kind of enlighten them on the issue and say how it impacts you and and their boss's district, then, then it gets a little bit more traction in the office and that's where we start to see some action. So would really appreciate um, you guys reaching out to your offices, um, getting involved um, would really be beneficial. Very well said. And Bailey, I definitely think uh, telling that story is, is what really emphasizes it. That way, um, these legislators, they can understand what, what they're fighting for, what they're uh, voting on when they're out there doing their jobs. Um, is there anything else you have for us? or? I don't think so. I think that is all. Um, I would just say again, if you want to uh, take a look and see if we still have some availability on the fall federal affairs trip happening on September 13th and 14th, to please reach out to me. My email is bmthumm at pfb.com. 
I'd be happy to chat with you and see if we have availability in your region to take you down uh, to DC on those two days. So other than that, I'll hand it back over to David. Awesome. Thank you, Bailey, for coming on. I appreciate not only everything that you do here at Farm Bureau, but I appreciate you uh, coming on and talking to us. So, And uh, I thank everybody for listening. This was David Varner and Bailey Thumb, and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way, and all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Podbean at pfbcast.com podbean.com. Thanks for listening.